Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Now here's Pastor Barry. North Sound family, great to be with you again this morning. This is the third Sunday in Advent. And as we move forward in this season with the expectation, the expectation that the first uh, folks waiting for the coming of the Messiah felt and the expectation that we have around the wonder of Jesus and also the amazing fact that he will come again for us. In this season, as we prepare for Christmas, we encourage you to join with us in the things that we have prepared, our services, the special music, a wonderful Christmas Eve service, the longest night service. Uh, please join with us, even Chris Stingle later today as well. Well, this third Sunday, we are going to look at the gift that God gives us. Uh, remember, this series is called All I Want for Christmas, and this Sunday, all I want for Christmas is joy. We've looked at hope, we've looked at peace, and this Sunday, we are going to look together at joy. Remember what the angel chorus expressed to the shepherds out there on the hills of Judea that starlit night. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, we read, same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people as I reflected on the message today I wondered what is it that brings God joy because if we can figure out what brings God joy, then that will help us to understand how we too will experience joy in our lives. And there are three things that I'd like to suggest to you this morning. The first one is that you give God joy. You give God joy. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1 together. I, I don't have time today to, uh, to read it, but... Genesis 1 is a beautiful creation hymn. It's an expression of uh, the, the wonder of God's creation. And it's kind of like a, a liturgy. It, it goes in sections. And after each of the sections, each of the creative bursts of God, we read the words where God said it was good. We see that in down here in verse 9, in verse 12, in verse 18, verse 21, verse 25, God saw that it was good, and then he created humankind. So we read in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Look at the, how the creator feels about his creation, how God feels about his creation. He gets all the way up to the sixth day and it was very good. And he creates you and me. And he says it's very good. Now, 
the text here doesn't use the word joy, but I've got to believe that God must have stood back, look at his creation and said with the, the words that he said, it was very good with great joy in his heart because of the creative movement that had taken place. And, and I don't know about you, but um, there's something about creation. I, I don't know if you, uh, when you were a youngster, did pottery in school. Um, I did, and I was horrible at it. It seemed like every project I began in pottery, it always turned out to be a candy dish. That, that seemed to be my level of competence. However, in seventh grade, I managed to uh, make a wooden bowl on the lathe. And uh, man, my mom had it around her house, I think, until she was in her 90s. But the pride of accomplishment was nothing like what happened in my life on June the 11th, 1983, and September the 26th, 1985, and July 13th, 1991, when Sean Edward and Ryan Berry and Scott Thomas came into the world and Barb and I marveled at the beauty of these three boys and what we had created. And, and so I imagine the joy that God must have had around the creation of the world and in particular, the creation of you and me. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that this is indeed the way that God feels about us. I think sometimes as Christians, we can become confused with the idea that God loves us if we're good. It's sort of a conditional love. We're good, God loves us, we're not good, he, he doesn't love us. But it's so clear in this passage that, that he loves us even when we do the wrong things, even when we don't become missionaries in Africa, his default position is love for us. Paul encourages us with the words from Romans, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We should take great joy in the fact that God loves each one of us as if there was only one of us to love. Let me encourage you to ponder this truth before you do anything, and that is rest in the assurance that God loves you. Now this love, again, doesn't demand something of us. Sometimes in human relationships, there are demands, there are strings attached to love. Let me read you a letter. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. And then she wrote a PS and congratulations on winning the state lottery. Friends, God's love is not like that. It's an unconditional love. It's like the love a father and a mother have for their son and their daughter. And it's not based on how good or bad we are. It's not based on what we've done or haven't done. It's simply God's default relationship with his creation. He loves us. It's a story told of a young Brazilian girl by the name of Christina. She lived in a village and as she got into her teen years, she 
didn't like her life. She slept on a, on a small bed, on a, on a pallet, and there was uh, just the sink with cold water and a stove. And, uh, and, and she decided that she wanted to strike out for the city. And she knew her, her mom would not want her to do so. So in the dark of night, she slept out and, and uh, slipped out and headed into the city. Her mom worried about her. Her mom knew that a young, attractive girl in Rio de Janeiro would soon find herself in a position where she had to find some means of support. And so uh, with great concern, she followed her daughter. She got on the bus and went into town. She went to all the places where a young girl who had no means of support might go, places uh, that would be frequented by prostitutes and streetwalkers. And before she went, the mom went into one of those little um, drugstore photo booths and put her money in the machine to get as many little black and white pictures of herself as she could. And she wrote a note on the back of them. And she went around that area of Rio, putting her picture up on phone booths and on the bulletin board on the walls and uh, hotels and uh, and putting it on mirrors in restrooms in the kinds of place that her daughter might frequent. But eventually she ran out of money, she ran out of pictures, and she wept as a mother having not found her sister, uh, found her daughter, and she headed home on the bus. It was just a couple of weeks later when Christina headed down the stairs in the, the ramshackle hotel in which she had been living she was weary with life. Things hadn't turned out the way she anticipated. And she ended up uh, not in a place that she dreamed she would find herself. And she went downstairs and as she looked up on the wall on the bulletin board in the hotel, there was a picture with which she was familiar. It was a photo of her mother. And, and she went and picked up the photo and she turned the picture around and her mother had written these words. She said on the back of the photo, she said, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And that's exactly what Christina did. As God's creation friends, we give him joy, regardless of what we've done. We give him joy, and when we wander off the path he would have for us, he invites us back into relationship through his unconditional love. The second thing that we see is that living life well, living our lives well, brings God joy. Jesus tells a parable about how we spend our lives in Matthew chapter 25. It goes something like this, a wealthy landowner leaves for a period of time and as he goes, he invests some money with three servants that he's left behind. One five talents, another two talents, and the final servant one talent. And a talent was a, a term for a denomination of money in those days. And so let's see what happens in this story. We pick it up in Matthew 25 verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you have delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. 
His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you've delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will make you faithful over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, friends, this parable was told about us. We are represented in this parable as the servants. And, and it's such a clear application here that we find that the good stewardship of our lives brings God great joy. And it's important for us to see here, what's interesting is these two perspectives. The first way we give God joy is simply by being, by being his creation. And now in this passage, we, we see that we give God joy when we take what he's given us, our lives, and we turn them into something good. We make them useful. We're good stewards of what God has given us. Friends, as we approach New Year's, this isn't a bad time to sort of step back and look at our lives and recognize the fact that um, sometimes we need to stop and look at the purposefulness of our lives, the meaning of our lives, and make sure that they're aligned with the stewardship that God would have us to have. Are we using the gifts that he's given us? Henry David Thoreau, the American author, uh, was known for his expression, most men live lives of quiet desperation. But uh, Thoreau decided he wanted to dig deeper into the meaning of life. And so from 1845 to 1847, he went to Walden Pond and he wrote the experiences of his life on Walden Pond in his book called Walden. And having isolated himself from community and having thought about life, he recognized this. He said, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could learn what it had to teach and not when it came to die discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life. Living is so dear. And so, friends, may the Lord help us to give him joy because we live our lives on purpose, being good stewards of all that he has given to us. Finally, as I conclude this morning, we give God joy by sharing the good news about God, the good news of Jesus Christ. Sharing our faith gives God joy. In Luke 15, we have three stories about something that's been lost. Uh, and uh, it's a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost boy. And these lost things in the story are found. And each of these stories illustrate the great love that God has when those who are lost are found. We read this in Luke chapter 15, verse 7 in the message version. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people who need uh, no rescue. So it gives God joy when people who desperately need rescuing are rescued and find the joy 
of coming into relationship with God. One sinner who repents. Brennan Manning tells a story of a walk that he had with his wife in the French Quarter of New Orleans. New Orleans was his home. And he talked about walking in the French Quarter and this young lady approached them and she, she pinned a, a flower um, on their lapels. And as she did so, she invited us to give a, invited them to give a donation uh, to support her cause. And so he uh, looked at her and asked her if she was part of the Unification Church. And she said, yes, she was. And she said, well, then you must be a follower of Reverend Sung Young Moon, and that would make you a Mooney. And she said, yes, I, yes, I am. And obviously, she had two strikes against her. First, she wasn't a follower of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, she also found herself in a place uh, where uh, she, was, she was mindless, and uh, she was witless, naive, and vulnerable as just a kid who had been brainwashed by a guru. And Brennan said to her, you know something, Susan? I deeply admire your integrity and your fidelity to your conscience. You're out here trampling the streets for something that you believe in. You're a challenge to anyone who names the name Christian. Now, at this point, Rosalind, his wife, reached out and embraced her, and Brennan says he took his arms and embraced the two of them. And the young lady said, are you Christians? And Rosalind said, yes. And at that point, the young lady pointed her head down for a moment, and they watched as tears dropped onto the sidewalk below her. A minute later, she shared this with them. She said, I've been on my mission here in the quarter for eight days now. You're the first Christians who have ever been nice to me. The others have either looked at me with contempt or screamed and told me that I was possessed by a demon. One woman even hit me with her Bible. Manning goes on to say something that's important, I think, for each one of us to hear this morning. He says, what makes the kingdom come is heartfelt compassion. A way of tenderness that knows no frontiers, no labels, no compartmentalizing, no sectarian divisions. Jesus, the human face of God, invites us to deep reflection on the nature of true discipleship and the radical lifestyle of Abba's child. Might it be that the most effective means of evangelism that we have is to simply share God's love with compassion. Might we give God joy as we share his love with others? Perhaps it's a cliche by now, but it's a true one. People don't, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so friends today, let's stop and think about how we can have joy by giving God joy. First of all, we simply need to live in his joy because he lives in the joy of us. We are his creation. And then secondly, it's important to recognize that we give him joy by being good stewards of the life that he has given us. And then finally, we give him joy by sharing the love that we have in our hearts that we've received from God, that we can share that with others bringing great joy not only to us and the one who chooses to follow Jesus, but then there is great joy 
in heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for the wonder of joy in this Christmas season, the joy that was there to the shepherds as they heard the voice of the angels, the joy that we experience in our lives when we're good stewards of what you have given to us and when we share the good news of Jesus Christ and your kingdom is enriched. Help us this season, Lord, to look beyond ourselves to how we might be joy givers to those around us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. And now, friends, let's be dismissed with the joy of God in our hearts because in our lives we're giving him joy. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us this day and forevermore. Amen. PK, do you think we survived the child um, coming in? Yeah. I think so. Okay. I'm assuming you could hear them. Oh, I could hear them, yeah. <laughs> um, it was a great idea to have you sitting here. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't fast enough on that. Um, I guess um, if, um, I mean, you can, you, I can you, do you watch it? Yeah, so you know, if you can't bring it out, um, let me know. I can record that piece or something if I need. Thank you, sir.